Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We will, we're going to read uh, starting with verse 25, and hopefully we will go through the uh, end of this chapter. And the only reason that I'm going to read 25, we've already read that a few weeks ago, but I just wanted to touch on that for just a minute. And that verse says, now let's go back to 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That we come together at this church to help each other and to get each other stirred up to go out and provoke unto love and to good works. See, we have to be more than just, uh, just saying things. We have to actually go out and do the things we say we believe. There's a lot of things in this Bible that instruct us on how to live. Okay? Today, today's title is The Just Shall Live by Faith. The just, if you are a true believer, you, you believe with all your heart that Jesus died on the cross for you, paid for your sins, and you, you are a believer, then you are the just. Not by anything you've done, but because of what he's done. And if you are the just, then you shall live, and not live like just anybody, but you're going to live by faith. And I want to show you today that your faith is absolutely pitiful, if you have any at all. But good thing that your faith doesn't matter much, but it's His faith that matters. Jesus is faithful. Your Heavenly Father is very faithful. And we shall live by faith. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We are to come together. Every time, let's say, all right, we've got, we've got so many people who call this their church home, and we have people who, you know, may be feeling bad, and they can't be here, and when they're not here, it just feels like a part of us is missing, right? You feel that. When everybody starts coming in here, each time one person comes in, you just get this feeling of, yes, I like what I'm seeing. So when we all come together, it, it just matters because the Bible says it matters. If we was to have somebody come in here to visit for the very first time, you've been, you've been out there talking and they finally get up enough nerve to actually walk in here. How does it look when they come in here and a bunch of people are missing? It just, are they thinking, what's wrong with this place? So it's great when everybody's here. Now, that's not to put pressure on you to be here every single week. 
we got lives we have to live. We got vacations we got to go on. There's a lot of things. But my point is, we should be here way more than not. We should have a desire to be here. Um, I, could, I could just remember a long time ago when our kids were really little, and there would be times where um, we would hear about people saying, well, are we going to church today? I don't know. Talking about it the day before. You start talking about it. Well, see, in, in my house, very early, there was never any question. You don't talk about, are you going to church tomorrow? I wanted my kids to understand that that's just what we do. It's not a decision we make week to week. It's just something we do because we're part of the body of Christ. So that's what we did. So I never had any kids that said, wonder if we're going to church tomorrow. They knew we were going to church. So get up, get ready, we're going. Okay, let's keep, all right, now, now, here's for the main lesson. Now, this next verse can be very, very troubling to many people. So let's read it. Now, this is definitely one of those verses that would be very unwise to take that one verse out of the Bible and preach a sermon on just that one verse. That would, this would not be a good one, but the sad thing is many people have. Now let's listen to it. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Wow. So you get born again, and then you actually do a willful sin, then you've lost it, and you're lost forever. This would be, I guess you could call this doctrine twice lost, forever lost. Instead of once saved, always saved, we can say twice lost, forever lost. You messed up after believing? Well, you might as well just go on. Now, you can, you can just take this one verse and actually make something out of this and make everybody scared to death that they're going to wake up and do something wrong and actually commit a sin and then there's no hope. Well, what, what has Hebrews been about from beginning to where we are right now. The whole book of Hebrews has been about a new covenant and an old covenant. About a Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the sacrifice once and for all, making the old covenant of none effect anymore. It's just, it, it won't work. That's what it's all about. So this willful sin right here that this is talking about is you not choosing Jesus. That's simple. That's what it is. Are you going to stick with the old system of trying to be good enough, or are you accepting what Hebrews is talking about, that Jesus is better than all of that other stuff? That's what it's talking about. 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fury indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Sounds pretty scary. Now here's an example. He that despised Moses' law back when it was efficacious, back in the old system, he who despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. 
And, and this, this was things like going out and picking up sticks for a fire on the Sabbath day. Stone him to death. That's rough. Now, if a person died without mercy by not keeping Moses' law, now we're under a new covenant, a better covenant, 29. And now here's the key verse that proves what I said in 26 of how much sorer punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. Because if you're rejecting Jesus and his dying on the cross and shedding his blood, then this is exactly what you're doing who have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. How much worse punishment should you get for denying Christ? Think about it. Just think about that. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, see, you were, you, you were living in darkness, you couldn't see, but because of the gospel, then the light came on. It was illuminated to you where you could see it. Ye endured a great fight of afflictions. So this is, this is written when the new church was up and starting and how that when you became a believer in Jesus, uh, I, I think that probably the Apostle Paul wrote this. I think that. We don't know for sure. When, it, when Hebrews opens up, it's God. It's just God wrote it. And I think that's great. But the, uh, the Apostle Paul was going out and persecuting these people who believed on Jesus. Remember that? Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus, he went out and searched for people, arrested them, put them on trial... Some of them went to prison. Some of them died. So that's what they were up against. They were willing to go through that for the faith, for this, for this new way. Now, that's, that's, that's living. A great fight of afflictions. 33. Partly, while she were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds. That's why I think it's Paul. That's that verse right there is why I think it's him. And took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So we look out for those who are part of the body of Christ, who go through things. And we give up our stuff for them. It's sacrificial giving. 
That's what we do as Christians. We help others, especially those who stand up for what's right and then get persecuted for it. We as a church should come around and, and uh, help them, whoever that might be. And, and notice the, some of the wording that's leading up to the famous chapter 11, the faith chapter, the substance so, an enduring substance at the end of 34. Verse 35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Are you going to get rewards when you get to heaven? Rewards are based on doing things for God when others may, have, may criticize you for doing them and try to keep you back from doing them or persecute you for doing them, but yet you go and you do them anyway, and you get rewards. Now, like I've said many times before, you can make up things to do and maybe go on a missionary trip over to Africa or somewhere, and you think you're going to get a reward for that because you made an effort to go do that, when God maybe never called you to go do, do that. So there's a lot of things that you can do on your own that you may not get rec recognized for at all in heaven. You may not get any, any reward, but the main thing is getting to heaven. That's number one. You want to get there. If you have rewards, then that's just better. It's nice to have, but when you show up, you're pro all the things you're going to get rewarded for, you probably don't even remember doing. And you might, you'll be shocked at the things you get rewards for. But I have a feeling the things that you think you're going to get rewarded for, you probably won't. That makes sense? 36. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now, this, that verse right there is right out of Habakkuk 2.4. When you're reading Habakkuk 2, probably verse 3, somewhere in there, this is exactly what it says over there. So the, the prophet Habakkuk was, he was, in a vision, he was seeing the future when Jesus would come. And not just when he came to die on a cross, but when he was going to come in the future. So the prophet was living something at the time. He was not only predicting Jesus coming, but Jesus coming again. Because Jesus coming the first time is what enabled us to be able to have any hope of a salvation experience. And now we're living a life after being born again, we live a life waiting for Him to come. Or we die and go to Him. So we're either going to die and go to Him, or one day He's going to show up again. But in the meantime, we're living a life. Now the just shall live by faith. That's verse 38. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So is there a possibility that you can draw back? But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. That would be like 
going to hell. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. What's the only sin, the only sin that Jesus cannot forgive? Unbelief, right? We have what we call the security of the believer. So you've got to be a believer. Notice that, it's, that this, this, the title is, The Just Shall Live by Faith. How many times is that phrase in the New Testament? Three. Now we know it's out of Habakkuk 2.4. Now there it says, The just shall live by his faith. In the New Testament, we have three different places where it says, The just shall live by faith. Three words that I want you to really take out of that verse. The just, just, and then live, and then faith. The first time it's used in the New Testament is in Romans chapter 1, and we're going to read it. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. You can write it down in your notes. If you're really quick at turning there, you can turn there. But Romans chapter 1 Verses 16 and 17 says, now notice the just. How do you become one of the just? How do you? Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You must believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek last, last week. We were talking about how the Jews were having these born-again experiences and the Holy Ghost would be falling on them. But then, at the end of last week's sermon, we were talked about Nicodemus and how when the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles as they were believing the story of Jesus. It happened right then. Remember? That was the main point of last week's sermon was that when do you get the filling of the Holy Ghost? Is it something that happens later on? Does the Holy Ghost not fall on you yet? Because when we were looking at the examples of the Jews, they, would, they believed and then they, the apostles would lay hands on somebody and they got, the, they got the Holy Ghost fell on them. Well, when Peter went down to Cornelius' house, he's preaching the gospel to him, and at the moment they believe, as he was preaching the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And he went, well, look at what you see. He took six, six Jews with him to witness it all. So there were seven of them. And he said, now, why would you hinder water so these people can get baptized? The Holy Ghost had already fallen on them, and now they're going to get baptized in water. So it was a big difference. So here, this is the gospel story. And if we believe it, then we can be saved to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, the gospel story, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. There it is, the first time in the New Testament. Where's the second time? It's in Galatians. Galatians is the correctional book of the doctrine of the cross of Christ, which we get out of Romans. 
Corinthians, first and second, is the reproof. They were being reproved. They were really getting carnal in their thinking, and they were uh, being reproved of it. But we get a lot of good stuff out of Corinthians. And now when you get to Galatians, they have actually done what Hebrews is telling them not to do. Now we've gone through almost all of Hebrews now. It's taken some time, but we've, we're, we're going through all of Hebrews, and now we're at 10, and then Galatians is a correctional book because these people have forgotten what they learned out of the doctrine of Romans. So this is the living part of it, Galatians. The just part, uh, Romans 1.17, now live Galatians. And it's actually at Galatians 3.11, um, I'm pretty sure. The just shall live by faith. That's 3.11, that's where it's at. Now, listen carefully. Notice how many times you hear the word live or life, or liveth. Just to prove the point. Starting with Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. Listen carefully. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. The just shall live. We got, we got a lot of living to do, on this earth, and how are we going to live that life? Hopefully by faith. 20, this is Galatians chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 19, now I'm at 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Your faith or the faith of the Son of God? Don't trust in your faith, but trust in His faith. And you're going to be able to live in this world way better. Basically, there's not anything in you that you can really trust. If you, if you think you've got great faith, then I'm going to start getting a little scared of you. But if you, start, if you talk to me about God is so faithful, Jesus Christ was so faithful going to the cross, that I like to hear. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So you frustrate the free gift of grace and salvation if you try to bring any good works of your own to that, okay? Then he says in chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye, sh ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit... He's asking a question. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law? Is that how it happened? Or by the hearing of faith? That's a question. You've got to answer. 
Did you get your salvation through the law, the works of the law, or did you get it by the hearing of faith? See, faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the Word of God. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? They have suffered. Over in, over in Hebrews, we're talking about afflictions and sufferings. You will go through those when you live by faith. You will. It's not all wonderful and everything is a breeze from now on when you come into true believing and true faith in Jesus. Think about it. Think about how much these people that we talk about in the Bible, what they went through. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this, he was, in, he was locked up in jail. He was in prison so many times. He was, he was stoned. They thought he died. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. He was cold. He went through a lot of bad things. Suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. See, Jesus was going to come from the seed of Abraham. Jesus was coming down that line. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth, not in all the things which are written in the book to do them. So, if you fail at any of the law, you're cursed. You might be so proud of all the law that you're able to keep, but you fail in one, you, you, you're going to hell forever because you're trying to get to heaven by keeping the law. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for... The just shall live by faith. All right. So in Romans, the just. In Galatians, living, living this Christian walk. Now we know that the faith part, we just read in Hebrews 10, 38, and how much Hebrews talks about faith. And as we get into chapter 11, you're going to see all these examples of faith. Not that they had faith, but through faith and by faith, they were able to do things they, they, were, they did. All right, what are, how far do I want to read here? Oh, 13. All right, 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Okay? Now, when, when Jesus 
was talking with his disciples in, in Luke 17. He was talking about how if someone does something and then they come to you, say they, they sin against you, they do something wrong to you, and then they come and say, I'm sorry, you know, he says, forgive them. You should forgive. Okay? And then he says, if they do that seven times in one day, and they repent, they come back and say they're sorry, then you should forgive them every time. And he's talking to his disciples about this, and they said, in uh, 17.5, they said, uh, Lord, increase our faith. And what was his answer? And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, just imagine a little tiny flake of uh, pepper, like black pepper that you would put on your uh, food. A little tiny flake of black pepper, it might be smaller than that. He says, if, you, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey, thee, obey you. They asked, increase my faith. He said, if you had any faith whatsoever, you could say, in another place he said, you can have that mountain move. So I see that as, you don't have any faith. Jesus had nothing to work with. You're saying, increase my faith? He's like, if you had the least little bit, you would be amazing in what you could do, but you don't have anything. The just shall live by faith. So we need to really think about what words in the Bible mean. And when I say live a good Christian life, don't do it through your own efforts. Do it through believing in what He has done and what He is doing in your life. Now in Hebrews, and we were almost done, and I didn't mark my place when I turned there. Alright, if, if you notice, in Hebrews, as we get into chapter 11, all the different people that are mentioned, starting with Abel, great faith. But it says, by faith, Abel did what he did. Not, it wasn't his faith, really. It was by faith. He believed in something that evidently his parents had showed him that a little baby lamb had to be, had to be sacrificed. His brother killed him for that. God did not accept Cain's offering and his sacrifice. By Abel doing the right thing, he died. Uh, Noah, look at all the adversity he went through trying to build that boat. For all those years, and people ridiculed him the whole time. Abraham and Sarah, look at all the things they got wrong before they finally figured it out. Look at Jacob wrestling with God, fearing that his brother Esau was going to come kill him at any time. But they continued to walk by faith. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which they're Hebrew names. I like to remember the Hebrew names. Hananiah, 
Mishael and Azariah. Names have meaning. And they were good Hebrew names that had godly meanings. But we refer to them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because that was their uh, Babylonian names that, that were actually good for the gods, the pagan gods. Well, those guys went through the fire. They didn't escape it as far as not having to go in, but it didn't kill them. Daniel, look at the things that happened to him. He actually went into the lion's den. Don't expect that everything in life after becoming born again is just going to be wonderful. It might be really bad. Are you willing to live a life of being thrown in the fire? Thrown in the lion's den? Are you willing to stand up for Jesus when people are ready to kill you if you don't deny him? You won't be able to do it unless you're living by his faith. Don't ever look to how strong you are. Always keep your eyes, your eyes on Jesus and what he did. And you will do amazing things in this life. And when people want to give you credit for it, just look at them like they're crazy. It's all about Jesus and what he's already done. You know, we got to be careful about pulling things out of the Bible. I, Joseph and I were talking about it this morning, and I, it was somebody I was reading recently, and he was talking about how we're so close that we can't see the big picture. And you really need to be able to pan out and see the Bible as a whole. Why do we have so many different denominations everywhere? Because under human thinking, we tend to gravitate toward a certain thing, and then we build off of that thing when we need to see all of it. Okay? So the example was, I can't even remember who I was reading now, but they were talking about how in Washington, D.C., there is a monument there of our first president that's 500 foot tall. And if you was to take somebody who had never been there and you blindfolded them and you took them, you want, to get, you want them to get a real good close look at it so they can see it real good, and you walked them right up to it. And here's the monument. And you take the blindfold off and say, here you go. And what do they see? Gray concrete. That's all they see. And as you back them up, they get to see a little bit more and a little bit more. And when they get way back here, they see the whole picture. So we got to be careful about going in and just picking certain things. We need to see all the Word of God. We need to see the whole picture. And so you've got to pan out and see it. That's why it's important to know all the Word of God. All right. So hopefully we can live by faith, and uh, we're done with chapter 10, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, help us to see your word, that the Spirit will help us to understand it. Father, that we won't have any confidence in ourselves, but that we have all the confidence in Jesus. Father, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. 
Father, that gospel that we preach and teach and share with those we meet, it has the power for salvation. Father, that is a powerful message that we are supposed to share. And Father, we need to live a life even though there could be hard times and persecutions and trials, Father, that we would walk through it knowing that you have our hand and you are leading us through. And Father, that we would look to you for your, you are faithful. Father, you said it will be and it will be. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.